0: of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life
1: the depths of woe, to the heights of joy that day, Jesus, Jesus, there's no other name, Messiah, King, all together for eternity. The saint before your face is emptiness an open door but the day will come when the gate will close and time will be
2: and the choir and that song, has been good. Go to the book of Ezra this morning, please. I'll give you ten minutes to find it, and uh, I don't think it'll take that long, but uh, usually a text we don't get into on Sunday mornings very often. Ezra chapter 6. I do want to mention that we've got a number of hunters out and will of course opening day's coming up. I can't get this thing on today. I didn't eat that much cake for my wife's birthday. I teased her the other day. She had a birthday and everybody was so kind to her. And uh, I answered the door, I think, on six different occasions for flowers. We have five children. I think three of them sent her flowers, and some family and friends. And I told her, I said, "Honey, it's beginning to look like a funeral home in this house." So <laughs> make me a little nervous. But uh, we, she invited a couple ladies over from the neighborhood to get to know them, and had tea with them at the house this week. And, They came in the door, first thing they said was, do you have stock in a florist or something? You know, my wife had to explain to them. But uh, she was showered with flowers and gifts, and I know she's very appreciative of all your kindness and cards and so forth. But uh, I'm looking at Ezra chapter 6 this morning. We'll start in verse 14, and we'll we'll read verse 22 together. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 14. The Bible says... And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered through the prophecy of Haggai, the prophet of Zechariah, the son of Ido. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar. and that's the month of March for the Jews, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the children of the captives kept the dedication of this house for God, notice, with joy and offered and dedication of the house of God, a hundred bullocks and 200 rams and 400 lambs as for a sin offering for all Israel, 12 he goats according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their courses for the service of God, which is in Jerusalem as it is written in the book of Moses. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. And the priests and the Levites were purified together, all of them were pure and killed the Passover of all the, uh, uh, for all the children of the captivity and for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. And the children of Israel, which were come again out of the captivity, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, to, to seek the Lord God of Israel, did eat. Now watch verse 22. And kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days. Now that feast of unleavened bread for the Jews is March the 30th, end of the month. One whole month here is going on in these verses. And notice it says, and kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with joy. There's that word again. For the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them and strengthened their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. I want to preach this thought to you today, the missing jewel of joy. The missing jewel of joy. I see so many believers today, born again, saved, children of God that are missing joy in their life. and uh, We want to talk about how they got their joy and how we can have joy in spite of our difficulties. Uh, Last Sunday, we considered in 2 Samuel chapter 19 the time in which David came back to his rightful throne. Uh, That was last Sunday morning's message to rule and reign in the hearts of his people. Um, Eventually, All of Israel got behind David, and he became their king in the city of Jerusalem, and they all rejoiced. Now, upon that study, I went through the word of God, and I noticed that there were several returns, or homecomings, if you would, um, throughout the scripture. I'll just mention a few of them. There was the homecoming of Joseph to his brethren, to his father in Genesis 45. There was a homecoming of Jacob when he came back to Bethel in Genesis 34 and 35. There's a homecoming to the prodigal in Luke chapter 15 that came home to the welcome of his father, the robe, the ring, the fatty calf, and so on. So with that in mind, I want us to understand that there's coming a homecoming for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He will rightfully rule here on this earth and he will fulfill his will. Uh, Let's pray today and take a look at the joy that that will bring, and what will bring joy in our hearts as God brought joy in theirs uh, in our text. Father, we come to you in prayer today. Hopefully, this message will both honor and glorify you, but also encourage the saints, in spite of what they're going through, what they've been through, in spite of the, the, the current world we live in or the oppression. In the wickedness of this dark day, we pray that we as Christians would have joy in the Lord. And Lord, we ask for you to deal with us about this matter of lacking joy in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now here in Ezra chapter 6 this morning is one of the largest homecomings or returns of God's people where when Israel are here coming back from a captivity here in Ezra chapter 6. 50,000 of Israel had been held in captivity and they're going to be returning. 50,000, that's quite a a number of people. And they immediately, when they got back, began building or rebuilding, if you would, the temple and the worship of Jehovah God. Been a long time since people were excited in Jerusalem. Been a long time since they had something to be joyful about, according to our text. So these returning captives are coming back to where they once belonged, back to family. Uh, back to the house of God, back to the worship uh, that would be restored in the land of Jehovah. They had a heart for worship. They had many great sacrifices. We read here in the scripture about so many of these animals, 200 rams, 400 lambs, uh, a sin offering, all offered up to glorify God. And remember, God had mentioned in scripture that these sacrifices were a sweet-smelling savor in his nostrils, something that pleased the Lord immensely. And of course, in a very short period of time, the temple is completed and there's joy again in the hearts of his people. There's joy in the land. Amen. Just read the verses again, verse 16, verse 22. By application today, I look at these verses and I see far too often uh, the lives of God's people are, are, are not joyful and there needs to be a rebuilding again, I guess, of our testimony, a rebuilding again of celebration of what we have in Christ. Hey, folks, we are so blessed, and we're so rich in the Lord. Sometimes we we don't look like it, we don't act like it. Uh, our minds are not in that in that in that place they need to be. So, there's just seems to be such a loss of joy today. Um, it's not so much that we would notice because sometimes it's that old thing you know about. When you're around it, you don't realize it as much. But outsider comes in. I'll tell you, more importantly, a lost person looks. And they wonder, why would I want what these people have when they don't seem to have the joy of being a Christian? Now, I'll tell you, we need to be aware that there are lost people watching our lives. Our children. Amen. Children watching us. And I, I can remember years back where it just seemed like there was a vibrancy in the house of God and with the people of God, but not as it once was. Church can be a place of uh, lacking joy, it should be a place that characterizes joy. There should be a happiness and a joyful spirit and a praising of the Lord. I, I take note, I, I saw a fellow over here on this side uh, balancing out Dave over here on this side He raised his hand and said, Amen. I look, who was that? I, I don't see that much or hear that much anymore. Where's our joy? Where's our expression? Where's our celebration of what we have in Christ? Uh, the average church member today seems to be lacking that. Instead, we see a lot of discouragement. We see a lot of distance from God, a remorse, uh, too much living in carnality and in the world uh, that than, than it should be. And again, the lost world's watching Uh, Younger children and teens and uh, little babies are watching our generation and uh, they don't know how to verbalize it, but they're not seeing what earlier generations saw in church, the joy of the Lord. There was a recent Gallup poll, uh, 60% of unchurched people considered the church not a place of joy. Isn't that something? but rather an organization that simply tries to support itself and preserve its past. You know, we have old-fashioned day, we do that to remember, you know, days gone by, but if we did that every Sunday, that wouldn't be a good thing. We're living in the past instead of living in the present, looking for the future. And uh, boy, I tell you, there's so much that God is doing and could be doing, uh, but we've lost our vibrancy, we've lost our joy. We don't have the stories of victorious lives, Many, if not most, are, are depressed or down about what's happened or what's happening. Instead of thinking about the whole scope of a life, it's rather an indictment against us, I think. This scallop hole. But I want to get back to the place where God's people have an excitement. Not a coldness, not a deadness, not a dryness. But to have excitement and have a vision and a purpose for being. What is our purpose for being here? What is your purpose for being here? It's to to honor and glorify God and to do what God has us to do. Someone has said, why would anyone want to join a group of people who are characterized as a group who seem to be seasick through their entire voyage of life? That's a good statement. I remember. Uh, Brother Mort Smith passed away last week. We had his funeral. And when I went there, the gentleman, he kind of looked familiar to me. Uh, he came up to me and, and said hello, and he had been to our hunter's banquet years ago. And matter of fact, he owns a charter company uh, out here off of Lake Erie, and one year, I think uh, Brother Mike Childers was here at that time, and we had like five charter boats, and there was one particular boat, Boat Steven. I happened to be on that boat. My son Steven was on that boat. Steve Deller was on that boat. Steve Childers was on that boat. His son Steve was on that boat. This is a bunch of Steves. And they all got seasick. It was not fun. And I spent the most of my time looking towards the horizon so I wasn't doing what they were doing, if you know what I mean. <laughs> as soon as our feet touched ground, everybody felt better. But he remembered that. And he was there and we had a nice discussion. And Good man, nice man, nice wife. And you know, um, that wasn't too fun of a day. We didn't seem to be joyful Christians that day, that's for sure. But uh, he remembered our banquets and and the joy of the banquet, and people getting saved, and what an exciting thing. I'm glad we have times in our church where we see the joy of the Lord, and we, we, we experience the blessings of God. But I want us to understand it's connected about doing something, not just sitting. Achieving something. There is joy in the achievement of something. There is joy in the labor that brings good things to pass. And it just seems like we're in a day today where... We're just dwelling on our negatives. We're dwelling on the past. We're dwelling on uh, uh, what we have not got accomplished rather than get stirred up about what we can still accomplish in the Lord. Jesus told his own disciples, Matthew 10.10, The thief cometh, not but to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. What's happened to the abundant life in the average church? I ask you today as an individual Christian, where's your joy? Instead of sadness, instead of negativity, instead of a lack of joy, boy, it'd be great if we got back to vibrancy of our faith. Now, I'm not discounting that bad things happen at times. But if that's the only time when we love God or have, have joy in the Lord, we're in we're a bad predicament. William Barclay wrote, a gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. That is so true. Christians in church today... Seem to be so joyless. We need to get our joy back. We have many good examples in the word of God. Our own Lord and Savior, Jesus, had joy. But notice, it was motivated by a cross that he was going to. Hey, that wasn't fun. But he knew that he had to do his Father's will and accomplish what the Father wanted to accomplish. And that in itself brought great joy. Hebrews 12.1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us... Uh, lay aside every weight and the sin which so, so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what? He endured the cross, he despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus looked past the cross, and he saw you. He saw me, he saw the church, vibrant. Amen celebratory, and accomplishing something for him. Peter, he writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 and 13, Beloved, think it not a strange thing, not strange concerning the fiery trials which is try you, as as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice, insomuch you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, he may be glad also with exceeding joy. You know, the Lord... The, the Lord receives joy when he sees his people joyful. What parent does not love to see their little children joyful, uh, playing and healthy and, you know, Christmas present time opening, and they're so joyful. Their birthday, blowing out those birthday caps, they're so joyful. Seeing them uh, getting the, maybe their first bike and going for that ride without the training wheels, Joyful. I mean, I just love seeing the little pictures of children and what they're doing. My, my kids are always sending us pictures of the kids and what they're doing. The other, this week we got one from Daniel. Little, little Toby's on Daniel's lap, and, and Daniel's scratching his back. And he's happy. He turned around, he smiled, and he, it, he said it in German. I don't know how to say it He was He said, more. <laughs> so he scratched his back. He's more. And he scratched his back. It's so cute. It's joyful. You know why? He was in his father's arms. Amen. He was enjoying fellowship with dad. Amen. And you know what he wanted? More. Well, oh, I wish we just want more. More of the goodness of God. More of the joy of the Lord. More of the vibrancy. More victory. Not negativity. Not, not downhearted. Not discouraged. Ready to throw in the towel. No, no, no. That's not what we need today. We need the joy of the Lord. Paul, Peter talks about it. Paul talked about it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul said, rejoice evermore. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And then, notice that the early church had joy. Listen, this is important. Even while they were under great persecution. See, so we thought, well, if all good things happen, then I'll have joy. Joy is something deep. Joy is something present within, in spite of what's going on in our hearts and lives. It's not happiness. Happiness comes through happenings. As long as everything's going good, then we're happy. Joy's better than that. Joy is a settled rejoicing in our heart in spite of all the wickedness in this world, all the wrong that's happening, and all the, the bad things that may come in and out of our life. Joy. Acts 5.41, and they departed from the presence of the council, listen, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I mean, they're getting beat for preaching Jesus. They're getting sent to prison and being beaten to, to do what we're doing today, worshiping God. We're so blessed that we get to do this. We are upstairs, Brother Mark, led in prayer in our class, young couples class, and he's thanking God for the freedom of America to do what we get to do. Come to church. Have a good church. We often don't think that way. But there's an ingredient missing in many Christians' life. It's the sparkling jewel of joy. That's what we need to get back to. Instead of being uh, dissatisfied and unpleased, but having joy. Fullness of joy. Where is the joy is the question today. Now, where did these early Christians find their joy? Where well, we can search the scriptures and see. I mean, they had difficulty, but they had joy. They lost their jobs. They were ostracized by their families, their neighbors. They were cast out of their synagogue. They were blackballed. They, they, they lost their livelihoods. They, lost their, they were in poverty, but they still had joy. What's taking your joy away? What's taking the zeal of God out of your heart? What's robbing you? What's robbing you of the joyfulness that God wants in each and every life? And we could, listen, we all got them. We could get our list out and we could get our complaining list out and say, well, this, 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 this. But the early church had a bigger list. Far worse uh, situations were in their lives, but they had the joy of the Lord. My goodness, they're arrested, thrown in prison, beaten, shackled. But at midnight, they sang. (laughs) And then a man springs in and says, what must I do to be saved? I mean, they were ministering in the midst of their suffering. Oh, can we find joy in the same places they found their joy? Well, let's look back in our text here. Ezra, chapter 6, look at verse 16. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of the house of God with joy. Wow. Verse 22, And they observed the Feast of Unleavened bed seven days with joy. What about that joy? Well, first of all, I believe, for us to experience the joy they had in our day, then we have to understand a few things. First of all, joy is discovered in submission. You see, God had given directions to build the temple. He got them back. Now he said, let's get this temple built. And you know, when they obeyed God and they got the temple built, that's when the joy came. You know, we're content to be, we are content as Christians most time to be um, in a rut. We are content with status quo. Instead of just begging God for something to happen. Something to bring it to pass. Something to cause... Uh, accomplishment. They finished the building according to the command of God, and this word joy is an interesting word. They finished it with joy, and the word joy means a deep-seated gladness. I mean, they were so joyful for what they experienced, what they had gone through, and how God had brought them back. That was a miracle in and of itself. But then they got at the work that God had called them to do and they got it done. And the joy that came through accomplishment. Think about the things in your life when when you accomplish something that you know needs to get done. Oh, the joy, the satisfaction, the fulfillment in that. Joy is not trivial, it's not a happy go lucky thing, it's a deep, resonating gladness. Over time and over accomplishment. It may take a while, but it gets done. That's when the joy floods the soul. And joy is not easy. Don't misunderstand me. It's something sometimes you have to wait for a long time, pray for a long time, sacrifice a long time. But the end of that road is joy. But the way to get there is through obedience. That's almost a dirty word today among Christians. Just doing what God told them to do. Get this temple built. And they got it built. There was joy because of the accomplishment of it, but they knew that it pleased the Lord. that gave them the direction to do it. Oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, that was a cross. Joy, he said, it is finished, the cross. Again, the idea of joy is when the job is complete, the feeling of satisfaction in being obedient to God. The Bible says in Luke 15, 4, 5, 6, and 7, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth upon his shoulders. What? Rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors and, and saith unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy, shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons would have no need of repentance. I just preached uh, Friday night at RU uh, over there in Luke 15. You got, the lost, uh, you got the lost sheep, you got the lost silver, you got the lost son. In every one of those stories, when things are found, there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing that lady had 10 pieces of silver the bible says she for some reason one of the coins fell off the table rolled around the floor she couldn't find it it's hidden in darkness the bible says she swept the house diligently she got her broom out and swept she got under here could not find it but i'll tell you what when she found that one piece of silver she rejoiced The father had two sons. One stayed home, miserable, independent Baptist, no doubt. And the prodigal son went away, but he came home and he said, let's rejoice. He was lost, now he's found. Get the fatty calf out. Let's have us a party. Get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes on his feet. Now, listen, I can understand. I can understand why a father had two sons and lost one. I mean, that would be tragic. I can understand this woman... Having these ten coins and losing one of them, they believe that had to do with dowry in that day, wedding, and she needed that. And then, of course, we see the sheep. I mean, come on, you got 99, why? Because it shows you this, the importance of one soul. It shows you something here, the importance of you in the eyes of God. Nobody's unimportant. He'll pull out all the stops to find you. He'll pull all the stops to rescue. He'll pull all the stops to accomplish his purpose. What? He came to the world to be the savior of sinners. If we're not doing that with him, then what's our purpose? That's why today I believe so many Christians have no joy, Brother Tom. They're not obedient. They're focusing on all the bad and the wrong in their life. Instead of doing what God has called us to do, And it's not going to get done individually. It's going to get done collectively, but individually, ourselves right with God. So where's our joy? Joy didn't come easy. Joy comes with submission. Joy comes when we're focused on delighting our God. So many Christians don't have the joy of the Lord. Then joy is discovered in confession. Hmm. They offered sacrifices here in our text. It wasn't easy. I mean, there's quite, quite a few animals here. It costs a lot. Dedication case of the house of God, 100 bullock. That's not cheap. 200 rams. Wow. 400 lambs. For hmm. so the sin offering for all Israel, 12 he goats according to the number of the tribes of Israel. See, God had a plan that all Israel would be taken care of through those sacrifices. You know, I find this. The most joyful Christians are the ones who give. They give their best. To the Lord, They worship God through their giving of time and talent, of course, tithes and such as that. But I wonder if that's why there's so many miserable Christians today, because we just kind of tip God. Yeah. Here, God, I'll give you a little bit, when God's been so good to us. When we obey him and do what he asks of us, we accomplish his will through it. Hey, I've, I've said this for a long time. We would have everything we'd ever need at this ministry if everybody tithed. God loveth a cheerful giver. Sounds like joy to me. Joy in serving Jesus. What if everybody said, you know, I want to do something for God. But intent, there's so many that just are content to let everybody else do it. But it's not everybody else. We think that. It's a a small percentage. But what if everybody got in? What if everybody used their gifts and talents for God? What if everybody contributed? What if everybody praised the Lord? What if everybody did what God calls us to do? What more could be accomplished? i tell you, there'd be joy. There'd be joy in this place. Can't help to be joy. Joy is discovered in confession. Here it is. Why did they give all these sacrifices? Why did God require them? Because they had sin in their life that needed to be atoned for. They brought in the sacrifice. Sacrifices were offered. Sin was admitted. Grace and mercy was given out to. The 12 he goats represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Therefore, a little while, all of Israel was in one accord with God, coming back from captivity, and now there's joy ringing in the house of God. All the tribes were confessing their sin. Joy is found in confession of sin. Maybe that's why some of God's people are not joyful today. They're not willing to give up their sin. we are not willing to get it under the blood. We're content to hang on to it. And life becomes a drudgery when we do that. You know, David became the rightful king of Israel, we mentioned. And you know how he got his joy back? By confessing his sin. Psalm 51, 7, purge me with hyssop, he said, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, he says in verse 8, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. That's how David had the joy of the Lord. He confessed his sins and got him covered with the blood. David, you've heard this, David was a great sinner, but he was a great confessor. He knew how to get right with God. Have mercy on me, O God, Psalm 51. O God, according to thy love and kindness, according to thy multitude, thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions. Wash me through, from mine iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Why are there so many sad and discouraged Christians, it seems? Why is there a lack of joy? Well, no confession of sin. No getting something right. No doing what God has ordered us to do. You see, it's building up. It's building up. It's the little foxes that spoil the grave. It's not always big things. I'm not doing this. I haven't done that. Well, well, you know, we we allow these little things and they just pile up. It takes our joy away. Confession of sin. David writes in Psalm 32 Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I keep silent, my bones wax old through my roaring all the day long. Verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Uh, my moisture is turned into drought of summer. Selah. Boy, it sounds like he's having a party, doesn't it? No. But here's what, he, here's what he did. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression of the Lord, for thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. He finishes that with, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. We've got to get our song back. Remember when uh, Israel found themselves in the wilderness, the, the world, the lost, said, hey, play us one of those songs you used to sing. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? That's what they said. Well, so many Christians today don't have a song. They don't have any joy not accomplish anything, dwelling on the negative, keeping their sin, instead of confessing it. Hey, if we confess it, there'll be mercy. But it says, whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. Let's get it right. And then the joy of the Lord will come back. That's what I'm trying to accomplish today with this sermon, trying to help somebody get the joy of the Lord back. Joy is discovered in submission. Joy is discovered in confession. Then there's something I like this, verse 21. Joy is discovered in our preoccupation with our Savior. Not ourselves. Look at verse 21. And the children of Israel, which will come out of the captivity, and all such had separated themselves unto them with the filthiness of the heathen of the land, to seek the Lord God of Israel, did eat. Hey, they learned something. i got to get this filthiness out of my life. You don't know why so many Christians are so defeated and have no joy. There's so much junk in their life. So much stuff of this world. And we're just dragging it around every day we get up. We don't look forward to the day with anticipation and say, well, what, what can I get done for the Lord today? What, what can happen in my life? Is there some soul that I might reach? and what, what can God accomplish? Well, you know, There's satisfaction in doing what God has. But we wake up with discouragement and we just crawl through the day dragging a load of sin. Instead of not getting preoccupied with ourselves. So many people are preoccupied with themselves. It's all about self, 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 self. Right. It's all about what the world thinks. I mean, my, my goodness, we, we get in the car, we turn on the radio and listen to all the junk. We, we listen to, um, you know, all what's going on in the political world. We listen to all the, uh, I don't know if you folks have noticed this. I know you've got to get this here lately. Everybody finding out in the past how these sexual sins have happened. And, I mean, good night. It's Hollywood. What do we expect? That's been going on a long time. But now every time you turn around, you can't read the newspaper. You can't watch the news. It's all, it's all that garbage. And then we wonder why we're discouraged at the end of the day. No time for the Bible, no time for worship, no time for God. Just loading ourselves down, preoccupied with self, 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 self. Here there's a preoccupation with the Savior, what he wants, and the result is joy. Oh my goodness. The question, I suppose, shouldn't be do you have the joy? The question is do you enjoy Him? Do you enjoy your Lord? Do you enjoy His presence. Do you enjoy His fellowship. Do you enjoy His Word. Do you ever have any time in prayer where you just, God moves in there and squeezes your heart? So I, I don't remember. It's been so long, Pastor. That's because we're listening to all the garbage. Amen. Do you remember a time in your life when you were happy in the Lord? Serving, satisfied, and excited about the things of God? What's happened to it? Well, we become cold and carnal and critical. And the opposite, the, what goes along with that eventually is a careless attitude about the things of God. I mean, good night. Where is your joy? How do we get it back? Obeying. Having a single purpose, glorifying God, getting something accomplished for God, getting sin confessed, having full fellowship with God. And, and as I say this about so many people are, are content to have no joy, no peace, no fruit, no, no, nothing thrills their soul anymore, no tears of repentance, only hardness and more dullness and more hardness and more du- you know. We ought to run to this altar this morning and beg God to forgive us and ask Him, "Give me my joy back, Lord! Give me the joy back." That's what David did. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation. Make me to hear joy and gladness, and then I'll I'll finish. Joy is discovered in our perception. Verse twenty-two keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy, for the Lord hath made them joyful, and turn the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Now, my goodness, how do you turn the heart of the king of Assyria? You know, we look at things in this world, and we just assume that what can we do about it? Nothing can ever change. But you realize if all of God's people would get sin confessed, get back to obeying God, worshiping God, focusing on the Savior instead of self, getting our eyes off this stinking world, and getting them on the kingdom of our Christ, we might turn some hearts, instead of our hearts turning cold and indifferent. We have situations in our life and we say, well, when will it ever change? I was telling the young couples, you know, we're we're of that time Prophetically. Where people will say, Where's the promise? You've been searching for this Jesus a long time. When's he ever gonna hey, he's coming. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I mentioned to him, you know what we do is we we think too, we, we read about the kingdom of our Lord. And we think it's never gonna happen. Jesus will rule and reign. People say, That's impossible. No, it's not. It's really prophetically, just around the corner, because once the rapture happens, which is any moment, the eminent return of Christ, then you have the tribulation period. But folks, it's a tribulation period, it's bad. It's seven years, but that's not that long, really. And it's to bring Israel to Christ, the main purpose, to beside, for them to believe on their Messiah. It really has nothing to do with us. But again, we're so selfish, we think everything's about us, and you get past the tribulation period, and you get to the kingdom age, and that's the kingdom of our Lord. Jesus is gonna rule and reign. And at the end of the book, we're casting our crowns at his feet. And I told the young couples, Do we got any crowns to cast? Hey, as the Lord said in his prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We got to look to God. And not just that, but on earth as it is in heaven. One of these days, we're going to, just, you, you might not, one of these days, we're going to see him. One of these days, we're going to talk with the lord one of these days he's going to set up his kingdom one of these days we're going to be involved there and i don't know all the facets of the kingdom age but we're going to get to do things and it, labor's not going to be a drudgery it's going to be a good thing again there's so much satisfaction when you accomplish something you know that needs to be accomplished <laughs> no more see the bible says Perfect weather, say, so how do you know that? There's no more, if there's no more sea, there's no more tsunamis and earthquakes and floods and all the stuff that destroys our world today. It's gone. Former things are passed away. And He will wipe all tears from our eyes. Woo! Yes, sir. Just thinking about that, the perception. Where's our perception today? looking to the Lord to bring in his kingdom. But you see, the kingdom needs to be in our own heart and life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Is he ruling and reigning in your heart? I'll close with this. I've learned something. I've been to Europe several times now, and I'm not a European snob. Um, My son, for new people, lives over there. He's a missionary, and we've been over there to see him a few times, four or five times. And I learned something, and some people that have been with us recently, they learned this too. When you, when you go to castles and uh, you're taking a look at them, you're wondering if the king's in. You go to Liechtenstein, you're saying, well, that's a beautiful castle. I wonder if the prince is in. Well, you can always tell when the prince is in or when the king is in as if when you look up and see the banner or the flag of the castle waving. You ever get over there and you see a flag waving you know the king's home well, or the queen's home? Yeah. Or the, the, the prince's home. Okay. Walter Knight wrote, Joy, I love this, Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts announcing the king is in residence today. I can look at people's lives and they're so down and discouraged and negative and focusing on all the wrong and all that. You know what? King's not King's not in the home. He's not... But when there's joy and vibrancy and excitement and hope and vision, guess what? Flags are flying. Kings rule and reigning in our hearts and lives. That's what I want, don't you? I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. And that's where I have strength. Let's bow our heads this morning.